It's not the gifts of the Spirit that are important, but the fruit of the Spirit, which is very, very important. And the first one is love. John 13, 1. Having loved his own. Here's a sample of our Lord's love. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. To the end. And that same night, Peter's going to deny his Lord. Did Peter's failure affect Christ's love for him? Not a bit. Not a bit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Love. And may I say to love one another is not optional. It's obligatory. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another. The mark of being a disciple is love for his people. With all their frailty, with all their weaknesses and failures, you're still a love. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell. I'm after your hearts, not your heads, is a refrain often heard by college students in Dr. Mitchell's Bible classes. In his own words, his goal was to help you fall in love with the Savior, and his teachings always tended to fill your mind with the Lord Jesus Christ. He was also a pioneer radio speaker. In his day, there were no tape recorders, so he and his organist had to be at the station five evenings a week. He was heard live every weekday on radio stations in the Northwest. The Unchanging Word is an independent Bible study, but by the grace of God, we can still benefit from the ministry and teaching of Dr. John G. Mitchell. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never Our study in the spiritual life of the believer in Christ resumes with Dr. Mitchell speaking of the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. He begins by focusing on love as the first of the fruit of the Spirit, and then he expands on love, divine love of Christ and of God for you and for me. And in John chapter 21, Jesus recommissions Peter to feed his sheep. But he begins with a question to Peter and to you and me. Do you love me more than these? Dr. Mitchell proceeds to the second fruit of the Spirit, which is joy. And then the third fruit of the Spirit is peace. And Jesus brought peace, and he is our peace. Let's open our Bible now to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 with Dr. Mitchell. And here he explores the evidences of the filling of the Holy Spirit. And you're listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. May I suggest something else? Love is the badge of discipleship. Where's that in John? John 13, 34, 35. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have what? If you fight and devour one another. What? No, if you have love one for another. But Brother Mitchell, he's so honorary. Well, we know that. Everybody knows that. What he needs is a little love. Maybe that's why he's honorary, because nobody loves him. Nobody understands him. It's folly for me to talk about the grace of God and not manifest grace to others. Hmm? That's what God wants. All right, the outward badge. 
You have it. And I've already quoted these verses. John 14, 21, 23. John 15, 12 is another one. Followed on. It's not the gifts of the Spirit that are important, but the fruit of the Spirit, which is very, very important. And the first one is love. I suggest uh, 1 John 4, 19. You remember that one? We love him because he what? He first loved us. John, 1 John 4, 19. It's a wonderful verse. We love each other. And take Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I would say 13 and 14. And you go down to the end of the chapter, verse 21. For those two verses, Paul says, If we be beside ourselves, it's to God. If we're sober, it's for your cause, for the love of Christ overmasters me. Not my love for Christ, but his love for me overmasters me. Therefore we will judge if one died for all, then we're all dead. What for? That they which live might live unto God. If any man be in this risen glorified Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. It's his love, divine love. The world knows nothing about it. Divine love. That's why I say here, that's what overmastered Paul. Or you take uh, John 13, 1. Having loved his own. Here's a sample of our Lord's love. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. To the end. And that same night, Peter's going to deny his Lord. Did Peter's failure affect Christ's love for him? Not a bit. Not a bit. So I'm not surprised when I come to chapter 21 of John, I read those words. Where the Lord, you remember, met the disciples up in Galilee after the resurrection. He said to Peter, Simon, do you love me more than these? Am I first in your affection? Am I first in your devotion? Simon, do you love me more than these? Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs. Simon Peter, do you love me? And so he said the second time, he didn't say, do you love me more than these, just once. Second time, Simon, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep. Third time, Jesus said, Simon, do you love me? And Peter was grieved that should be asked three times. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. He said, feed my sheep. And when you get to be old, they're going to take you where you don't want to go, signifying by what death he should die. And dear old Peter, being a man like you and me, he said, well, Lord, if I'm going to die, what's John going to do? Huh? <laughs> uh, the Lord says, if I will that he tarry till I come, what's that got to do with you? You mind your own business. Allow the digression for a moment. Did you notice? Peter denied his Lord how many times? Three times. Did you notice the Lord never brought that up to Peter? You and I would have said, Ah, oh, Peter, you're a dandy. You've been with me for over three years and you've denied me with oaths and curses. You're a dandy for... That's the way you and I would have answered, wouldn't we? The Lord never said a word about it. But it's rather amazing. Before an open fire, Peter denied his Lord with oaths and curses. And before an open fire... After resurrection, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Three times. That's the important thing. Do you love the Savior? 
If I were to say to you this morning, are you trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? What would you say? Yes. Not six of you. How many believe are trusting the Savior? I've got eight. Oh, excuse me. How many of you are saved? <laughs> All right. Am I not putting it right? You're putting your trust in the Lord. But how many do you love him? Oh, I've always loved him. Uh, but the Lord's question here is not, do you just love me? Do you love me more than these? These disciples, anything. Am I first in your affection? Am I first in your devotion? That's a question. Are you in love with him? You know, I was pastor here for 37 years in this church. We built this church way back yonder. We were the Portland Bible classes. And once in a while, some of the men would say, you know, Dr. Mitchell, we sure love Mary. I said, I don't blame you for that. But don't you fall in love with her. That's something different. That's something different. See? No, I'll be in love with the Savior. The fruit of the Spirit is love, love. And may I say to love one another is not optional. It's obligatory. Put down these scriptures, will you? First Thessalonians 3.12. We are to bound in love one toward another. Same in Philippians 1.9, same thought. Loving each other, abounding in love. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 9 to 10. Love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And as I said a moment ago, it's not optional. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another. The mark of being a disciple is love for his people. With all their frailty, with all their weaknesses and failures, we are still to love them. Love's an amazing thing, you know. And the older you get, the more you realize the need for genuine love for the Savior manifested in love for each other. All right, that's the first one. The second one of these three, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. And where there's love, of course, you've got to be, it's bound to be joy. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 5. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say what? Rejoice. Don't blow up. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Uh, John 15, 11. Our Lord said to his disciples, my joy I give unto you, that your joy might be full. Full joy depends upon full fellowship. And when I walk with the Savior and you walk with the Savior in fellowship, your joy is filled full. My joy I give unto you, that your joy might be full. First Peter, First Peter chapter 1, verse 8. You follow it through. Let me give you these scriptures. John 17, 13. John 17, 13, our Lord's high priestly prayer for his own people. And one of that is that they might have their joy full. 
Hebrews chapter 12, the second verse. Notice our Savior concerning him, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. He's going to a cross. Where's the joy in that? Who for the joy that was set before him, he saw the fruitage of the cross. You and me, redeemed, covered with his righteousness, accepted in the beloved, fitted for eternal glory, and he's willing to go through what? Intense suffering. Because of the footage of that will be intense, eternal, complete joy for everyone who puts their trust in him. Psalm 1611. Remember that one? For in thy presence is what? Fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I'd like to suggest there are these two verses. Uh, Psalm 1711, pardon me, Psalm 1611, then I say 1611, and Psalm 1715, the last verse of, of Psalm 16, and the last verse of Psalm 17, verse 15. I shall behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in thy likeness. Talk about joy. Talk about the thrill of it. Good night, earth. Good morning, glory. What do you know about it? Very, very little. If I knew what was on the other side, really knew all about it on the other side, I wouldn't be fit to live with down here. I want to get home. That's why as a pastor, I've been with many of God's people, held their hands when they've left this earth for glory. And I'll tell you, I told the Lord one time, I'd like to grab them by the ankle and let them pull me out with them. You know, the presence of the Lord, the peace, the joy. This one day a woman said, Brother Mitchell, don't pray for my healing. I want to go home. I've just had a little glimpse of it. I've been in suffering, but I knew the Lord in my suffering. I want to go home, see him. In thy presence is what? Fullness of joy. All our joys down here are affected by frailty and weakness and failure. But in his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And the fruit of the Spirit is joy, abounding joy. Wonderful thing. You know, John the Baptist said just before he was beheaded, he was testifying about the Savior, remember? He must increase, talking about our Savior. I must decrease. This my joy is filled full. He must increase I must get out of the way. I must decrease. Boy, you're talking about John. He must have seen something wonderful. Wonderful. What does the earth, what does the world offer you? Nothing but trouble, suffering, disappointment. Hmm? And I'm sad to say today that even among many of God's people, we've got the materialistic philosophy today. And the more you get, the less joyous you are. The more you get, the more you want. You're never satisfied. Some of the most miserable people on the earth are millionaires. I wouldn't know what the world would do with it if I had money like that. I'd put you all through school. Pay your bills, huh? Now, don't wish that I had a million now. Don't wish me for that. But I'll tell you, I've met some of these millionaires and they're the most, they don't have the Savior. They're miserable. 
the fruit of the Spirit is joy. All right, the third one. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. That is the peace that you can have in your own heart, the believer's heart, a peace that's beyond all expression. That's why in Romans 5, 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have what? Peace. No longer enemies of God, but peace. But what a relationship. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. You take Ephesians chapter 2, for example, starting in about verse 12, 13, and there down through verse 14 or 15 of Ephesians 2. Uh, he is our peace. He made peace. And he preached peace. Our Lord came to bring peace. When he comes the next time as Lord of Lords and King of Kings, what will he bring to the world? Peace. But you can have it now. Having put our trust in the Savior, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. As I said in John, in Ephesians chapter 2, you know, the preceding verses from verse 11 on, we were afar off without Christ, without hope, and without God. But our Savior came and he made peace, and he is our peace, and he preached peace. That's what people need today, peace. I meet so many begruntled people, disheartened people. What they need is peace. And when you leave Mount Loma and go out into the world, and especially if you go out to serve him, whether it's in the workplace or as a missionary in some other land or preaching here in, in America, you're going to find so many people have no peace. No peace. No peace. That's a wonderful thing. Do you remember what our Lord said in John 14, 27? My peace. Peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You've heard me say that I'm going to leave you, and you're sad because of this. But if you only knew what was on the other side, you would rejoice because I said I go to my Father. Or take chapter 16 of John, the end of the chapter, about verse, about verse 33. In the world you shall have tribulation, but in me... You'll have peace. I've seen some believers going through some terrible trials, terrible tests, but a, a peace they've got. It's a marvelous thing. It's in the tests of life they get to know who he is. When the disciples learned who Jesus was in the storm, what manner of man is this? The very winds and the waves obey him. It's in the storms of life you experience a peace that the world can't get over. I know when I became a Christian working in the machine shops, they did all kinds of things to me. They magnetized my files and everything. I didn't know much about the Bible, but you know what? The Lord put it into my heart. And I had an apprentice working under me. He was the same age I was, but he was my apprentice. And he was, the other men kind of goaded him to magnetize my files. Went on the powerhouse, just like a few feet away was the powerhouse. When I came back to pick up my files to work on my state, on my die, I was working on a die, put my, my file on the bench, and when I picked it up, there's hanging from that what? All the cuttings. He magnetized my file, and I picked up all the cuttings, and I had to get my wire brush and clean it. And oh, I wanted to clean the whole shop up. That was my 
first the eye of Hashem, you know, I'm just going to clean the shop up. Then I'll tell myself, well, that's not the thing to do. So I called him over and I said, listen, Ed, do you magnetize my files? Well, what of it? Well, I said, you know, the Lord bless you. I think the Lord just put that in my mouth. It'd been far easier, and he would have enjoyed me going after him, you know, cursing him and hitting him and all the rest of it. But I just said, the Lord bless him, went on with my work. The tears were running down his cheeks. That's a good weapon. Peace. No, the fruit of the Spirit is peace. And when you and I are in fellowship with him, with our hearts cleansed, we can have a peace that passes all understanding. I could, I could talk here about men who've just come out of the penitentiary and have experienced peace with God, the transformation of their lives, peace. As one man said, Mitchell, I never knew it was going to be like this. I've got a peace I've never had before. I don't have to worry about policemen or detectives on my trail. He'd just come 20 years from San Quentin, he was a bank robber, if you please. So was his father and his brother. He scorned anybody who would steal a woman's purse. Ah, he said, beat them up. Do a thing like that. But a cracker safe, you see. <laughs> That's something else. The transformation. I just hope you could, you young, I'm going to say kids. I hope you young people will experience the, of seeing the power of the gospel transforming hell-deserving sinners into saints. And they see that change of expression and see a peace they've never experienced, never realized they're going to have such a peace. Have you? If you were ushered right now in the presence of God, would you have peace? Huh? He is our peace, who hath made both one. He's broken down the middle wall of petition between us and so on. He's taken Jew and Gentile. The only place you find a Jew and Gentile having real peace with each other is at the cross. Fruit of the Spirit is peace. Now mark these three go together. Love, joy, peace. That's the experience of our hearts before God. Now if you want to follow that question of peace, so I'll take Philippians 4, 7. Do you remember that one? And the peace of God, this experiential peace, the peace of God shall guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Boy, what a wonderful, wonderful thing. Do you have joy? Do you have peace? That's supernatural. You can't imitate it. It just comes and floods your heart. I know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about some theoretical thing. I'm talking about actual life and facts. You're going to go in your life. You're going to go through some experiences that you're not beginning to understand but the Lord can give you real peace in the midst of it and give you even joy. The fruit of the Spirit. Watch those first three. Pardon me, we're in Galatians chapter 5, 22. Watch these first three. Love, joy, peace. Now that's, that's experience in your heart. And if I'm a spiritual man, if you're a spiritual person, there'll be evident in your life that peace in the midst of storms. There'll be that joy even in the midst of sorrow. There'll be that love that will love the unlovely. It's a supernatural thing. This is the fruit of the Spirit. 
And the evidence of a spiritual life is just that. Now, the next three go together. Long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness. And that's just spread in our life toward others. I'll take it up in our next lesson. We'll have to stop there. Time is gone. Uh, if you want to follow through that, I would suggest you start with 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, and we'll follow along there, starting with the next three, long-suffering. Help me, Lord, when toil and from a father's hand one by one the days the moments fleeting till I reach the promised land till I reach the promised land till I Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.